All right. Yo. Yo. <clears throat> What's How's up, it going? Another week. Another week. Another week. How crazy are you yet? Uh, it's getting. It's getting. It is getting actually much better. Uh, oh, for this, real? Yeah, this week for me has been just insanely productive. Like oh, no nice other week previous. Like just insanely productive. Are you finding your rhythm with your, like your own rhythm throughout the day? How you balance your like freelance stuff? Yeah, I have. I think I um, I'm getting more organized. I'm getting more. Um, well, the the thing is, like previously when I was working, the, the my biggest issue was when things were not as clear. I uh, I'm definitely probably not alone. You know, you're never alone in things. But yeah, when things weren't clear, when uh, something was like needed a little more insight, but you can still do it right. Um, or when you needed, uh, I don't know, um, just a little more information, but you still can do it. I would procrastinate like crazy. Oh yeah. And now? Because it's, it's unclear to me now. Now I'm like very good at just getting, just starting things, even if it's not clear on certain aspects, because it's, it's never that it's not clear on the whole thing, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's always like little bits and pieces that it's not clear, and you can still perform around it, and then leave yeah. that for last, for example, while you get the while you get the information back. But I used to just procrastinate like crazy when that was the case. When I would like yeah. when everything on my board was just something that I wasn't that clear on, I'll be like, ah, you know, and just how like how should I even. Yeah, and then then I'll just find myself in those different parts of the internet that are just rabbit holes that are just mm. I don't know like a YouTube video of something I don't know, but uh, Amazon maybe oh I need this I just add it to cart. Oh, I know that feeling <laughs> yeah. so well. But uh, but yeah, now I'm getting a little better at organizing myself. I'm getting better at writing things down and making things clear for myself before I pick things up. Uh, yeah. and and I know like I know so I think what's different this week than other times is that I kind of pre-plan what I'm doing the next day with detail with a goal as well mm. not just like I'm gonna pick this up and this up tomorrow but yeah. like tomorrow I want to get to this point or I want to perform these things yeah. uh, and I want to get this done and like I've been just setting goals day and day of what I want my uh, end, end day to be like by this day, I will deliver this. Um, by this day, I will finish this feature, or by this day, I will finish this part of this feature. Right, something like that. That's been helping a lot, and I've been just so crazy productive this week. That's been nice. uh, it's been going really, really good. How's it going with you? Um, I feel like I'm slowly going like each day a little bit crazier, maybe like. Is it in like the, the spoiling frog way where you don't notice it day to day but if you look back two months you notice like the huge shift that has happened and for me i notice that like my baseline level of anxiety and stress is just like a little bit higher and hmm. i'm still i would say i'm still fairly optimistic and still pretty like good spirited in yeah like large parts throughout the day but then when things get rougher, I notice that I'm like a little bit closer to just snapping and like I tend to then like get angry like more angry than 
usual or than like before Corona and these kind of things. I just feel like I'm not as like how do you call it? Like, like you're on, you're a little edgier than yeah, like not as like uh, yeah. My my thinnest uh, my skin is definitely like thinner than it was like two months ago. Okay, I don't know if this would serve as any kind of advice, but I I definitely relate to you a lot. Yeah on the uh like two like first month two month in into this yeah um what has helped a lot is just going out on frequent walks and oh yeah going outside in general don't stay in even if it's for a little bit just going out it just helps tremendously i definitely noticed the need to have a more healthy lifestyle in general in this um, otherwise, I think a I would have been like more crazy than now, but I also feel like there's huge potential to yeah balance this out. Mm-hmm. But it's also freaking hard right now to actually, for example, like exercising. I find incredibly difficult in this time. Not Since, just exercising though. I was just talking about just going walks, looking at yeah, I know, some I know, trees. I know. But generally speaking, yeah. like to develop a healthy lifestyle that would help right now to kind of calm kind of the waves a little bit. I find it's really hard to really get into because for exercise for example i know for me it's super helpful to have like external like motivating Mm. or forcing factors like going for example like we or i went to a few yoga classes here that was great because you had some accountability like i actually paid for them and would want to get my money's worth it was a community thing like you met other people it was pretty nice um and it was actually really enjoyable to do um the few weeks that i did it but now mm-hmm. everything is closed and you can't really go for classes, for example. And it's, yeah, it's just a little bit tough. But we'll manage, we'll survive. Um, there's a really interesting, and I have like no good introduction to this, like no intro that would make sense or no like way to get into this topic in like a natural way. It's but really I, this week has really been, I would say the theme of this week has been Alicia Keys for me. Why though? <laughs> so before this, I never really listened to her music. I have to say, like, it's so awesome. She's great. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you on this now. But like, she was never on my radar. It was just I had no opinion about her whatsoever because, like, in my own, like, it's just never like she never really entered like my sphere of music. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to an interview, like a podcast with her and Brittany Brown. Um, and it was super interesting, super nice conversation between the two. Was really like intrigued. I was like, hey, I'll just, I have to check this out now. Went to Spotify, searched for her, and then there's like a best of hits playlist or whatever. Clicked that, started listening to it. And it has been pretty much playing for me for like a week. And it's freaking epic. Um, yeah. Why <laughs> has nobody told me that before? Like, I feel like I'm 14 years late to the party or so. But yeah, yeah, kind of. Damn. That yeah. has been fun. Like this was like a very unexpected thing that I'm super grateful for in these times because that has been really. She's uh, such fun a chill human being too. Yeah, it was the interview was just amazing. I have to say, I was really, um, really fun. It was about her book that she wrote, oh, and I, I didn't was know like that. super. Um, yeah, like she sounded like really down to earth, and yet at the same time, like really well reflected. Yeah. Like yeah, super smart, definitely. like was was really really cool. So very self aware. Yeah, um, that has been really fun. I have to say, like, it was something that was completely like unexpected and happened pretty randomly, but has been fun to. Yeah, ex- 
yeah, extend my horizon a little bit, and um, especially in a time where, yeah, I'm just spending most of my time at home. It's really nice to have these kind of external, um, like, yeah, nuggets of wisdom and new knowledge. Like, it's super. Like, I've been really enjoying listening to a few podcasts outside of my usual list of podcasts, for example, um, as a way to kind of get some new intellectual stimulation, I want to say, and like just completely different perspectives on things that I maybe would not have considered before. And then the other, yeah, I've been, <laughs> so we, we hinted at this last time a little bit, but I've been diving a little bit into domain-driven design. And as a consequence, my progress on my side project has come to like a screeching halt, essentially, because oh, I've been no. like battling with this. No, you and went too deep into the rabbit hole. That's the problem. Yeah, it's really tough. So the problem that I see or that I'm still facing is that I find it really hard to find the right um, abstraction for the different layers that you have in domain-driven design. Like where does your infrastructure end? Where does your domain begin? What goes where? Mm -hmm. And the use case that I have, I feel is maybe also not the greatest, because the domain is really tightly coupled with the infrastructure. Like I want to build a tool that helps you manage files on your computer. Mm -hmm. So naturally the domain that deals with like, how do you manage the files is very tightly coupled to the infrastructure, which is you have a file somewhere in your file system. And I can see conceptually why it makes a lot of sense to split the two. And I can also see that it might be interesting long run to actually have a very nice interface here that would allow me to, for example, build like a web-based service where you just have the files in a database and not actually on disk somewhere, but you just like have a table with like binary uh, fields for all the data that you actually want to store. Like part of me is really intrigued by exploring the possibility to actually build like different backends just to see how that would look. But then that makes it also super complicated to actually build. And one of the things I did wrong, I think in like the, so I, for a week, I think I followed down like one path and then a few days ago, I kind of switched the approach a little bit. What mm -hmm. I tried first, and I think this was diff like really difficult for me is I tried to build it essentially like layer by layer. So write the full domain layer all the domain logic, all the domain models, figure out how that works in like abstraction and isolation, and then think about how to interact with the different layers on top and below. And that was just, that didn't lead me anywhere because since the two are kind of tightly coupled, it was really hard to figure out how that would look in isolation and then how would it translate to like the infrastructure and what interfaces does the infrastructure actually need to be able to like do what it is supposed to do. And where, how would the workflows look? Like there was so much ambiguity in there that I just got stuck essentially because at one like eventually I reached a point where it was really hard to take the next step just because I didn't know how it would actually look in like the broader scheme of things. And what I did now is I tried to um, build it more like vertically uh, integrated. So have one domain model, write that out with like the functionality it should have. And then at the same time, think about how would a factory look, how would a repository look, how would that look in like the different implementations, like have one 
in memory just for testing, for example, that in my test, I can just generate these records really easily and then have one that's backed by the file system, for example. And that has helped move things along. Yeah, hearing you talk about it, though, I I don't think that domain-driven design is for every case. I really, I don't, I really don't think so. There's just cases that, that I think that you can implement it as such, but you don't really see the benefits of it, or you don't really grasp the, or like you don't model it how it's supposed to or intended to be. That's what I think, though, because if it's just one, one domain, right? If you only have one domain then I don't know, like there's no way of splitting that up and it's just one thing and then being one thing, does it actually, does it, is it worth it? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's worth it, but I just don't, don't, uh, don't know if it's I'm not worth sure as getting well. too deep into it if it's just one model, you know? So where I'm, what intrigues me about domain-driven design is this very clear abstraction of the different layers and not necessarily like going down to like the infrastructure and like thinking about persistence, but more up with like the UIs because mm -hmm. with what I'm trying to build, I definitely have a vision where I want to support different UIs that build on top of the same, like fundamental, like domain model where you can use a CLI or I would really like to just build a UI for this eventually as well. Um, right. And what I find so far really intriguing about the main driven design is that I can see where it is super beneficial to have this kind of clearly separated and like well-designed, like well-designed interfaces between these different layers where the core logic is developed, like implemented in your domain. And then you have ways to interact with this that are really tightly coupled to your presentation layer. Because a CLI might have to completely like different requirements when it comes to like communication with the user, for example, and how do you present okay. errors and feedback okay, yeah. than a UI might have. While both fundamentally, like after you kind of got your uh, ducks in a row, both might still or will still have the exactly same fundamental functionality in the background. So I can see where it can be really interesting and like helpful to structure this. That difficulty, and I feel like this is something that at least in my research has been tough to dissect is especially <laughs> the repository pattern seems to be the one thing that is both integral to the idea of domain-driven design and at the same time, like highly uh, contended and discussed. And what do you mean by that? Why? So. I've I find it so to, nice. That's why I ask. Yeah, I've, like I've seen both. I've seen people who are really um, in favor of it, and I've seen a lot of other posts that were essentially like, "Hey, you probably don't need this. Like, only implement it if you actually feel the pain." And then others that argue that, like, the repository, like in most cases, the implementation of the pattern just leads to what could be called like a query object where it's just like a collection of all the different ways how you access your your data, but not necessarily in like a maintainable or like well-designed way. It's just you just 
dump everything in there and it in the end causes you more problems than it solves. And I can see both sides of the argument, to be honest. Um, I think it makes perfect sense to have everything related to like persisting objects um, isolated somewhere in a way that is uncoupled from your domain logic. I think this is like the one thing that we so coming from Rails, for example, with like the the models has always been a little bit difficult. That the models and Rails were both a means to persist data, but then they should also have behavior or not. Right, like I right. think that was always one thing that we like struggled with. And yeah. I think where in Rails a lot of people just immediately go to like service objects to implement behavior because it feels wrong to put it in the model because that is exactly. concerned with the persistence. Exactly. So with that background, I feel it's kind of nice to split the two and have like clear, uh, clearly separated boundaries. And then also, yeah, allow your domain actually to implement the functionality without having to worry about like these edge cases with how you persisted. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, yeah, again, like coming to the example that I'm working on, for example, it kind of feels weird because a lot of the workflows that I'm concerned with, they all deal with persisting data in a way. And splitting it to up feels kind of weird. Like what happens when you move a file into a library, for example, but you don't persist that on disk at the same time. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like I have a workflow where something happens in the domain, but then that's not like reflected in the infrastructure, like on the files is like, this is, there's like a gap that for me is still like, doesn't make a lot of sense yet. Yeah. Because yeah, thinking back to all things that I've built so far, I think in most cases you manipulated data in one way or another and wrote it back to to a persistent store. Right, right, right. More right, so yeah. than did you modify data in memory. Like if you mm -hmm. had workflows that like heavily depended on like modification and memory, and eventually like it would be fine to eventually write data back to disk. Then I think it would make more sense to me. But especially like looking at web applications and the things that we are so far built with, like most of the times we're manipulating data. And in that case, I find it hard to see how you can split the two well, because it feels like every workflow in the end needs to save an object. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And, yeah. No, me neither. It's, it's one of the uh, questions that I still have about domain-driven design. Yeah, I feel like I just don't know enough. Like, and I, I don't know how to get those resources like we were talking about last episode. Yeah, no idea. To, to get a better understanding, it just seems so... Yeah, I, I just... Yeah, like I told you, when I was diving into it, I tried not to dive too deep into it because I was warm. But it's, uh, you, you can go as deep as you want. But like I said, you can just you can just implement it in a certain way, and it's just so easy to refactor eventually. I think it's not it's not that hard to yeah. to just get it going, and then kind of have one idea now and just go with it, roll with it. Just obviously give it some thought, roll with it, and then uh, and then eventually, one, the the more you you gain knowledge on it, you probably go back and refactor it in in better ways. I think that for me has been the biggest lesson that I'm. Kind of taking from this or the thing that intrigues me about it maybe the most is that it forces me and just more by not 
having worked with us before, but it forces me to actually think about how I want to model things in a more mm -hmm. systematic way than I'm than I might have before. Like the first kind of prototype that I built was like purely by intuition, and it was a mangled mess of everything where there was no clear separation and like no clear like yeah. Um, I didn't really think about the responsibilities that the different parts have and how to build like a maintainable system. I just yeah. kind of hacked some code together. And with this, even though I struggled kind of figuring out where the right uh, yeah lines are and what how to actually implement the different responsibilities, I see a huge benefit of actually spending some time to think about the design of the software, even though it's just a small project. And thinking clearly about what are actually like the interfaces that I want to introduce to make it easy to change implementation later on and actually make this easy to maintain in the long run. I feel like there's a huge benefit here of spending th some time up front to design the system. I don't know. I don't know. I've, but I've gotten a different idea about that over uh, the last like couple of months or a year, actually. I just lose far. way too much time in that. Trying so, to implement it the right way in order for it to be kind of like go back and be more maintainable. I feel like I feel like that's probably the issue with most of my previous projects is that um and I, I hear it from other developers as well that, that that you try to to come up with this perfect solution or not perfect, but you try to like be a hundred percent sure that this is the way that should be architected and should be split up because yeah. if this future thing happens then you're prepared for it then if you do this yeah. other thing it's like more it's gonna scale <laughs> right and like i feel like those things are such a hurdle yeah that it I'm just does way more harm than than it does good i don't say to go ahead and be a just complete mess in your code right yeah but uh i i feel like to i don't know i've just gotten different perspective on actual yeah. code uh over the last couple of months that it's like as long as i get it done um with obviously you know not not being a complete mess but having some sort of structure like a good structure not not some sort of actually having like i like having good structure yeah but putting all these extra like thoughts on extra miles like it might help you in the long run but especially on side projects that you're trying to i don't know that you believe that could be uh something the thing is that you don't know and it's highly likely that it won't be yeah. nothing you know and so, with the slightest chance that it becomes something, then you can spend time like trying to make it the perfect software. Yeah. I generally agree with you. Like I think over optimization <laughs> is yeah, perfect is the enemy of the good, is what they say. Yeah. I would still argue that so where I see value is having on one hand still a systematic approach to this. And on the other, I start to see a huge value in becoming familiar with, yeah, patterns in this case. Mm -hmm. I don't think you necessarily need to design or you can even design a perfect system. But I also, at least for me, I get the feeling that there is still a lot that I can learn about modeling systems and develop better intuition 
that in the oh, long yeah. run means my code is cleaner and more maintainable. Oh yeah, for sure. And that that is where the huge benefit lies of exploring something like domain-driven design or yeah, actually like going back to um, what was it, the Clean Coder uh, book, for example, was like super interesting about like certain practices that you as a developer should ideally follow to make sure that your code actually is maintainable. I feel like there's a lot of knowledge out there that I'm potentially still missing that would make it easier in the long run to actually build the right the right tools or make it easier to have maintainable software in the long run. Yeah, that I agree with. If it's for the sake of, like if you're doing it on a project that you don't, like that you, for the time being, definitely, definitely want it to be just personal, then I think that, that it's it's good to to dive as deep as possible and just you know learn like we were talking about the selfish developer just <laughs> oh yeah learn as much as possible yeah yeah i think that that is a tension here because you do need to invest the time to learn and yeah, yeah it does definitely. help you in like like for any coding that you do essentially and there is i believe there is a lot of that's called like institutional knowledge that is available in the industry that other people like have other people have done a lot of exploring that we could benefit from. Yeah. And the more you explore these topics, the better your own intuition will get to build things on the fly. Because for example, like going back to the design patterns, like implementing a few of these patterns are like proven and well-tested solutions to building or like abstracting certain problems that you always have, like any, like every application or many applications at least run into like these requirements. And like smart people that have gone before us thought about reasonably mm -hmm. simple design patterns that you could apply to make sure that you can exchange implementations later on, for example. And just being aware of them, knowing these patterns and how to implement them could already help you like intuitively write better code without actually having to spend too much time beforehand to like plan the perfect system and right read up again like for me right now i when i want to do this i like read up again on the factory pattern and i read up on the repository pattern but <laughs> if i would have used them more and like maybe did some more paid more attention in university um i might have already known them and like now working with them would not require so much upfront investment i could just very like intuitively pick them up and say hey this looks like a problem that is like well shaped to deploy a factory and that's like my theory at this point that that would make sense yeah yeah on on yeah a little bit related to that um is i also think that rails um spoils you in a way that just hides all this from you and you don't have to almost definitely. think about it and then it it if you're going to be a rails developer your whole life then you know good for you go for it definitely um but i think that if you're not this just staying with rails does a little more harm uh than it does good on the thing obviously all the magic is beautiful and it makes yeah. you so freaking productive and uh and you get things you definitely get things done but you just you're abstracted away from all these like important concepts that help you and actually make you a better engineer 
that's what I've seen in, in exploring like other frameworks and exploring like um, just, you know, um, other languages that it just forced me to to dive into the like underlying layers that I was like, crap, I didn't have to do all this with Rails, you know, but it's like it's yeah. important because I mean, I'm not saying Rails is unique, but it's important to know these things because there's probably going to be some issues that you run into eventually, even on rails. So you're going to need yeah. to know about this and you have, you're going to have no clue because you never had to worry about that before. Like with rails, my, like my personal opinion is that the people who build rails are really, really good at object oriented design. Right. And if I see examples of how they write their code, like how they work with the framework, they actually produce really well maintainable and like beautifully written code. Mm -hmm. But and like the framework is really a tool in this case. Like it doesn't force you into a certain habit. It really allows you to structure your code in the way that makes the most sense for your use case. Mm -hmm. But it also requires from you that you know how to design good object-oriented applications. Yeah. And this is where I like, that's a little bit like my biggest complaint about Rails maybe. So I feel like in, especially when you learn Rails, a lot of the tutorials are really focused on how you use Rails, which makes sense since this is what you want to learn. But they don't emphasize the importance of actually having a good understanding of how you should model your domain and how you should break up your code that that's you don't have with like one user model good. with like 200 lines of codes that does everything. Right. But how you could actually like use modules for this or like think differently about the problem to come up with a better object-oriented design. And I'm not sure if other frameworks are necessarily like better or worse with this, but I feel like that that is one of the challenges. Like Rails is really, really easy to pick up. And that's maybe because it's like why it's used by a lot of, especially like more inexperienced developers maybe. But to use it well, I think it requires more knowledge than like yeah, I certainly I had when I started using Rails. Like when I first yeah. started using Rails, I put all my code in like a controller or like in a yeah. user class and yeah, yeah, it was yeah. not maintainable. And Rails was really nice because it allowed me to achieve my goal really fast, but the code quality was really not there. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I wouldn't want to blame Rails for this. I think it's really something no. that right. because it is still pretty flexible in what you can do with it. It's puts the burden on you to figure out what the best solution is. And I've not, yeah, I've not used other frameworks that had like stronger opinions on how you structure your code, to be honest. I'm not No, 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 sure. definitely not. No, yeah. and it's just really nice to work with. Yeah. Now working with uh, JavaScript, which I freaking hate so much. Oh, just, why? It definitely makes me miss, so yeah. Did oh you gosh, struggle with like this, the this uh, keyword? Well, that's just like, that's like an everyday thing almost. No, no, it's not. Once you actually like get the bug slash feature of that, that's, I guess you get used to it. Like yeah. Stockholm syndrome. But uh, it's, it's just, just all the little stupid things that it does is just very dumb. Like yesterday I was battling with, um, not battling, but I, I quickly found it, which is good. Because if I wouldn't have, I would have been so mad. Did you know that an empty string uh if you compare that greater than or equal to zero this is true don't get me started on uh 
types in JavaScript and what you can do with like numbers. How idiotic is that? It is the worst. Um, I don't understand how this language can be taken serious on the back end. And I oh. might get taken heat from that. But it's just like I was telling somebody yesterday. It's like, okay, now it makes sense to me why TypeScript has taken off like a rocket, you know? Like yeah. it makes perfect sense because this is just so stupid to do this. And it's like somebody said like, oh, um, like probably if you if you come across those like nuisance, you're you're already like doing something wrong. And I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. Like it's it's. Uh, for example, in that case, just, I don't know, say you have like in the back end, you have some sort of endpoint and then you're trying to see like, I don't know, just hypothetically, you're trying to, you get a param from, from, from the endpoint and you're trying to compare it and seeing if it's like greater than a certain, like just say for this particular case, my, my case, you're, you're thinking it's like you want to see if it's greater or equal to zero, right? Yeah. Um, in order for you to do something, otherwise you do something else and you store that in the database, right? But you don't know how that's going to be sent to you um, by the client. Like you, you can say, oh, I expect the number, yeah. right? But yeah. what if, what if, what if just by, because in the browser you're manipulating, you know, like a that text field and text fields are just by default all strings, then you yeah. just mistakenly send that. Like that's just, that's just going to save when it's like not supposed to. Yeah. It's so bad. Like those things are just so it, bad. I don't understand it, it doesn't just, make it any sense. Such, to it's me. like it's literally, and and somebody was saying like, oh, it's it could like it could be worse. And I'm like, I don't know. Like this programming, like I don't think there's anything worse than this. In in terms of like the dumb stuff that it has, like they has some pretty dumb stuff. Most definitely. That is like, for example, there's other languages that have some stuff that you're like, oh, that's dumb, and then like you get some sort of explanation for why things is like why it it, yeah. it is the way it is, and it might it might have been just like, oh, the one who created it thinks of it because thinks of it this way and therefore like it made sense to him right okay yeah. that's fine that's that's one of the explanations but there's stuff on javascript that it literally makes no sense and yeah. there's like no explanation for it my, other than that's just how it is my favorite example is have you ever tried to add two arrays in uh, javascript like you have an array with like one two three like the three numbers one two three mm -hmm. and then you just add like have a plus with an array with the number two in it so you have array one with like one two three and array two with just a two what do you think mm -hmm. happens when you use plus to add the two together i don't know maybe the two goes in it converts it to a string that has one comma two comma 32 <laughs> and i don't know why but i've been <laughs> tripping over this so many times because like Wait, is adding, that real is yeah that, true? that is real let me let me see it is oh the worst and i have no idea why and it's so illogical like it goes against everything i've learned about programming that i can't remember it for the life of me no way yes way <laughs> it is ridiculous i invite everyone to listen on a computer to open the to javascript console in the browser and try it out give it a go it is, yeah. But JavaScript, yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's so yeah. stupid. It is. Cool, man. All right. 
I'll be continuing with my exploration of domain-driven design and trying to work on my side project a little bit over the weekend. And then I'll let you know how that goes next week. Yeah, will do. Let's uh, let's let's keep doing them projects. Let's keep doing them projects. Awesome. Was All nice right. catching up. Yeah, same. Talk to you next week. Till next time. Yeah, peace. Bye bye.